Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. How many remember the prophetic word at the beginning of August? I'm going to repeat it to you in case you didn't remember. Remember, God said, I am leading you into a season of intense hunger. I'm leading you into a season of intense hunger. And I wrote down these thoughts after receiving that word, that hunger was desperation. Nothing else is going to do. That hunger was dependence. We needed to be humble. That hunger was not tamed, that it was wild and it was fierce. That hunger was focused on getting what it needs. Hunger was going to change our direction, where we were headed. And that finally, that hunger was worship, and it meant to center our desires on God. I don't know about you, but... This, this prophetic word has, has really challenged me in all those areas in my de- desperation and my dependence. And uh, I, I felt too tame, too domesticated. Uh, so this has challenged my, my, my wildness, my fierceness uh, uh, it, when it comes down to, to my hunger for God. Now, we talked about that. We talked about, you know, as the deer pants for water, you know, that desperation that, that I, I have to get to water. Uh, there's, a des- there's a desperation of, of having to get to God here. That nothing else is, is going to do unless we get into His presence. Nothing else is, is going to do unless we fall at His feet. Nothing else is, is going to matter unless we connect with Him. That kind of desperation, that kind of fierceness, that kind of thing that's just not tame. It's not domesticated. And I think this is the one that's probably the most challenging for me is that, you know, that hungers will change your direction and where you're headed. You know, uh, eight, eight months ago, almost nine months ago, come, come Monday, you know, I, you know, I haven't known where I've really been heading for the past nine months since Christine has passed. And... It's taken the last thing, you know, that hunger is worship. And thank you, worship team, for you know, leading us into a really wonderful time of worship and listening to God there. And it, Worship is the thing. Worship is the thing that's going to drive our hunger. You know, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we, and He is righteous, and, and, and to get into His presence and to fall at His feet and, and to not grab just the, the hem of His garment, but grab every part of who He is so that we do not let go of the God who won't let go of us. That kind of desperateness, that kind of fierce determination that I, I can't settle for anything less than, than being with Him. Nothing else matters. Nothing else can do it. Nothing else can feed us or fill us. That's what I think this, this word means, that he's leading us into a season of this, but I'm not sure we actually have entered into that season yet. 
kind of sense that we're, and here's, here's something else that I think is, I'm just going to go prophetic on you for a while. Is that okay? And listen to this. I feel like we're content to be in the wilderness. Because we know what's there. It may not be comfortable. We may not even like the wilderness. We're hungry there. We're thirsty there. We're frightened there. We're lost there. But we're content. Because it's familiar. Because we're used to it. It's become ordinary. It's become accepted. And I feel like, and I think we would agree with this, this is, not, this is a no-brainer, this is not really this prophetic, this is, this is a no-brainer, that God is not satisfied with that, right? Because he loves us too much to leave us in the wilderness. And I know sometimes wilderness times, they could, they could be really helpful and they could be really good in, in, in honing us and, in, and working on us and, 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 and refining us and defining us. I know that wilderness experiences are not all bad. Jesus only stayed 40 days in one. And everything that he was confronted with, his hunger and his thirst, he had an answer for and was God's word. But he eventually left the wilderness. I have a funny feeling that we're kind of stuck there. As, as individuals and, and as, as a group. And, and, and not speaking to people out there too. I think it is complacency. That's part of it. Remember, I said, you know, I said, you know, you know, you know, there are so many different appetite suppressants out there that that dull our senses, that dull our hunger, that that just dull us. Look, there's a lot of crap going on in the world, and and it's and it can be frightening, and it can be uh, scary, and it can be worrisome. And I think sometimes we 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 dull our senses to it, we get oversensitized to it, and we want to avoid it. We don't want to think about it. But that same kind of lack of of engaging society makes us not engage God. See, because when you withdraw. You withdraw. And I, ha- I just sense that God is saying, look, this is not, this is not condemning, this is, this is not harsh, this is not meant to be harsh, but I just sense God is saying, you know, I'm leading you into a season of hunger there, but you're not there yet. I, I need you to be more desperate. I need you to be more dependent. I, I, I need you to be more fierce. I need you to be more focused. I need you to start to change your direction. And I need you to worship. 
Because the wonderful thing about worship, and we, we've talked about this over again, you know, when we worship, we, we take our eyes off our, ourselves and we put our eyes back on Him. And when we, put our, when we lift up our face and we lift up our countenance, we can see what? We can see the horizon. We can see a lot clearer where we're supposed to go. We, we can see paths that we couldn't see before. Worship lifts our eyes up. Worship lifts our heart up. Worship lifts our spirit up. Worship lifts us up. It, it makes us rise up. It makes us stand. It makes us more focused and determined and fierce because it takes our eyes off of us and everything that's involved with us. And it helps us see us now more clearly. The things that we couldn't see about ourselves, the things that we were worried about, the things that we were concerned about, that we just got all muddled by. Now, because we're worshiping, we can see those things a lot more clearly, and we can understand God's Word, and we can apply God's Word, and we can take a step forward. God wants us in this season of hunger because it's for our own good to be hungry for God, to be continuous to be ravenous for God. Nothing else will do. I think we know this. Nothing else will do. Nothing else matters except being with God. Understanding His heart, understanding His purposes, understanding His ways, understanding His words. Because those things bring God says, I am leading you into a season of intense hunger. And you're still content to be in the wilderness. So this is where our choice comes into this. You know, it, it is an individual choice and it is a choice as a, as, a, as a group of believers who have decided to follow Christ together. Here. Is that, will we step out of the wilderness and into His presence? What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but I know it involves personal choices and a corporate choice of, of doing that. And that requires a willingness of surrender and a willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to make this decision that I am tired of living on crumbs. I am I'm tired of, of living on just the bare necessities to get by in the kingdom. I'm, I'm tired of walking around this wilderness. I'm just tired of it. I want more. Did you know it was okay to want more? It is. God encourages us to do this. Because in His presence there is always more. So, I'm just going to pray for this before we do anything else. Because I'm not sure what we're going to do next. <laughs> but I, I, do, do you receive that word? Did you receive that word? Okay. Father, thank you for speaking to us again. Uh, your heart is for us. And you draw us to yourself because of your great love. And we praise you for that. We, pray you, we praise you for your generosity of your great love towards us. 
We are undeserving of it. But you lavish your love on us. Thank you. We praise you for that. Father, we, we want to be hungry for you. And we admit our great need, our great hunger. And we admit that we've been wandering around in a wilderness, wondering what happened to us, wondering where we were, wondering how to get out, and somehow being content to be there. So, Father, we, have, we ask forgiveness corporately tonight that we have been content for something less than you. Please forgive us. We repent. We ask forgiveness, O oh Lord, that we have been satisfied for less than you. Please forgive us. We are sons and daughters of yours. We are sons and daughters who desperately need you. And so we, we proclaim our great need of you. We, we shout it out. We say we need you, O Lord. We need you, O God. We need you, Father. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We're desperate for you. We're hungry for you. Lead us out of this wilderness. Lead us out. Push us out if necessary. Father, we love you. And we ask that you would continuously speak this into us. And right now I pray for a release from this wilderness for all of us. And I pray against anything that has kept us there, any lies that we have believed, any any deception by the enemy that we have that we have fallen for, we reject that now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke that now in the name of Jesus. We renounce it now in the name of Jesus. And what we receive is the freedom to walk out of this place and into everything that you have for us. We humbly ask. We humbly come that you would do this for us. We surrender to you. And we know that you will shepherd us out of this place. And we thank you for this and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I wasn't really uh, going to go there, but I'm glad God spoke. Ephesians 2, 8-9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, we talked last week, I said this was going to be the second part of a two-parter. That It is hard to be humble. We, we sang a silly song, you know, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. That, that whole song, we talked about it, but when we got serious about it, we, we knew that Pride was a problem. It was a, it was a foundational problem for, for a human heart. Uh, so much so that we said that God opposes the proud. And the Greek word for oppose really meant wars against. So that God wars against pride. 
But the beautiful thing was that in that same verse in James, that he gives more grace and that, that we invite grace into our life with humility, with humbleness. But my big question is, and I think this falls right into what God just spoke to us, was if God wars against pride, shouldn't we war against it as well? I mean, you know, God wars against pride, not not to harm us, but to free us. God wars against pride because he loves us. And he knows what pride does to the human heart, how destructive it is, how it kills hunger, how it kills motivation. He knows what pride does to a human heart. So he wars against it for our benefit. So if he's that intense about it, if he's that fierce about it, that he will go to war against it, yeah, I think we should go to war against it as well. This war against pride is a huge battle. It's, a, it's a, against a fundamental, a fundamental thing about the human heart because the human heart is broken. It's broken without God. And this pride comes in where because of this brokenness where we begin to think and we begin to believe that we know better than anybody else. And we know better than God sometimes. Or maybe it's, 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 it's an issue of entitlement. Like I spoke about well, how I exposed how that was my appetite suppressor last week. Remember I talked about how I felt entitled like God owed me something. That was pride. And I didn't really talk about this week, but I'm going to talk a little bit about this because I think that it goes right along about being stuck in the wilderness. It's this, did you know that self-depreciation is also pride? It is also pride. Where we doubt our worth and, and our value to others and especially to God. It's a, a self-defeating mindset where we have a destructive self-image. Uh, when we say things like, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. I'm not valuable to anybody and no one loves or likes me. So when when we say such negative things about ourselves, we are saying that we know better than God. Because God doesn't speak that way about us. That's not how God talks about his sons and daughters. So it is an issue of pride. So when, let me ask you another question. So when we have a, something uh, challenging going on in our body, in our health, we, you know, maybe we have a food allergy. Maybe we have a, 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 a deficiency in some nutrients somewhere. So what, what can we do in order to make our bodies healthy again? We can change our diet. Right? We could change our diet to, to, to address those issues in our body, be it a, a gluten issue or, or a, a myriad of other things that the, the body can be. But we can change our diet, and a lot of things can be fixed with a change of diet. It's a wonderful gift that God has given us. So, but that's the same thing when we're talking about spiritual things. Because what we've been saying all along through this series, what feeds you, what forms you. You are what you are. eat in the, in the kingdom of God. And so we got to believe 
uh, that what we eat is forming us, so we got to watch what we eat, what we, what we feast on, what we put into our spiritual life. And now, here's, here's two things that might actually be keeping us in that wilderness that God is asking us to get out of. And I didn't see the connection. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it now. But, uh, because I think pride has two things that, that there are two powerful contributors to pride uh, that I think also might be trapping us in this wilderness. And these two powerful enemies of our spiritual health, they're shame and fear. Shame and fear. And, you know, because shame is poison to our identity. It, because it lies to us about our value to God. Since the garden, human beings have had a huge shame problem. Uh, we, we, we get shame from sin, from past mistakes, from, from bad decisions. Uh, we get, even get, get shame because of the other people's sins and bad decisions. Uh, it, uh, shame causes the human heart to hide, to run and hide from God. Uh, shame is the belief that we are not enough, that we were made wrong, and that we were an unlovable. Shame has us believing that we're flawed. Okay, now, let me pause for a moment. We know we're flawed. (laughs) Human beings are not perfect. But shame does the next thing. Because we're flawed, it means we're not worthy of love. See, this is what shame does to us. It it, it lies to us about our value to God. And it's just a huge mouthful of disappointment. Now, fear also lies to us because it lies to us about the goodness of God. It lies to us about, it says to us that our problems, uh, our situations, our circumstances are too big for God to handle. Or he doesn't care enough to handle them. So fear lies to us about that. And it teaches us, fear teaches us to, to rely on ourselves and not on God. So when you got these two things... Shame and fear, feeding pride, it is, it is easy to get stuck in the wilderness. It's easy to get stuck in the wilderness and stay in the wilderness and maybe be comfortable there. If you can see where I'm going. So we need to change our diet. We need to deny the things that feed pride and confront them with the truth. We need to starve pride. And there is a, this, this is a, there is a one powerful concept, idea uh, that is probably not foreign to you. I'm going to say this, and you're going to say, well, that's kind of obvious. But I think this, this, this is really going to hit home when, I, when, you, when you start to remember what God is talking about in that prophecy and in that word to us. Okay, here's what I think we need to do in order to start pride. We need... To let the kingdom of God rule over the kingdom of self. See, Jay has a kingdom. And that needs to be ruled by the kingdom of God. Not by the King Jay. There's a, there's a kingdom of self that needs, needs to actually go away. <laughs> and there needs to be the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in my heart. Because everything starts to change when that happen when, when I accept God's sovereignty over my kingdom. Uh, by faith, these things change. 
My feeding habits change. My diet changes. The, the way I eat changes. The way my hunger changes. My, my fierceness changes. My focus changes. All those things change because God is now ruling and reigning over my kingdom. And he is the only king there. Everything starts to change. My questions change. It is okay to ask God a question. God invites questions. God invites these, these come and let us reason together moments. But there's a huge difference between asking God questions and questioning God. There's a huge difference. And I think what happens in the wilderness, we start to questioning. We're questioning God. We're questioning God. We're not asking God any more questions. We're just questioning. And, and what does that sound like? That sounds like pride. We, you know, we're, 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 because those questions are, uh, have accusations in them. They, they're, they're controlled by fear and they're controlled by shame. And so that kind of pattern of questioning God is so much different than asking, a God, asking God a good, hard question that only he can answer through his word, if you can see that. And I start to talk. This is really cool. When God's sovereignty is over my kingdom, I start to talk to myself the way God talks to me. I start to talk to myself the way that God talks to me. I start to learn His language, kingdom language. And the kingdom language is about humility and love and mercy. And can you imagine for a moment all those areas in your life where you think Stop your hunger for God, that hinder your hunger for God, which is maybe keeping you in this wilderness that we're starting to, to see in a different way here. Can you imagine if we started to talk to ourselves the way that God talks to us, how different that would be in our lives? If we stopped repeating the old message and started talking like God does to us. I think things would be radically different. I think we, our, our view of the wilderness would change. Our view of what God is trying to say to us, trying to, to, to draw us into, would, would change dramatically. He would whet our appetite. He's trying to whet our appetite with this, and I think it's a just beautiful love that God does. And, I, and God always talks in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. That's the language we should be speaking over ourselves and reminding ourselves. Can you imagine if you talk to yourself that way? I think the wilderness would look a little more uncomfortable. Not a place that you would want to stay because you would realize what? You would realize where you are. What am I doing in this wilderness? Why have I stayed so long? I need to get out of here. I need to go and be with my father. Now here's something that God said to me and I didn't understand it at first. So we're talking about talking like God talks to ourselves and, and to other people, of course. This is the, that's the, really the whole thing about the gospel is talking to other people about how God talks to us about his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. 
But when I talk the way God talks, I speak less and I listen more. When I talk the way that God talks, I speak less and I listen more. How is that possible? How is that possible? Sounds kind of freaky, right? That, that, that talking like God is all about listening more than talking. And it comes back to humility. I want us to think about humility as being the biggest hearing aid that's ever been created. Because it is. Because when we're humble, when we walk in humility, our ears are open to hear the voice of God like never before. And so that's why I think this is an issue of pride that keeps us in the wilderness. And that's just something we have to examine for ourselves. You know, humility opens up our discernment. It helps us to be more attentive. It helps us listen in on God. And, and so my words, I still speak God's words, but the words like this, uh, be still. I say to myself, be not afraid. Should I be like a, a little child. Jay, be humble. And so when I speak God's words like that, then I can listen to him more because it opens up my life, my, my, my mind, my spirit, and, and it quiets all that soul clutter in my life. Everything that just makes noise in my life. You know, the, the noise of the world that gets in and just confuses everything. The noise of the enemy that comes, comes in and lies to us. You know, that, all that soul clutter that... That him being humble, being walking in humility invites what? God's grace in. And that's what we need in order to see clearly, to see God clearly. It helps me to pause and reflect. I meditate on his words, his language, the way he speaks. I hear the love in his voice. I hear the favor in his voice. And I am drawn in. I get more hungry for him. Shame and fear tell me that I am unworthy of all this. But I want you to hear this. God's favor is not earned. It is given. God's favor is not earned. It is given. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. What I'm saying is that we can't earn God's love and we can't unearn it. <laughs> it it's just given. God has given it to us. Uh, uh, your qualifications, your behavior, it's not about you. My qualifications, my skill sets, it's not about me. It is not about us. It is about who He is, who God is. And so we starve pride with truth. So here's some, here's some of the language that we should speak over ourselves. Here's some of God language we should speak over ourselves. Because pride and shame and fear, they, they gotta bow to God's truth. They must bow to who God says we are. If we listen to the way He speaks to us and we speak the same words over us. First John 3 3 says, What I am loved. I am accepted in Ephesians 1 6. 
I am a child of God in John 1.12. I am Jesus' friend in John 15.14. Romans 8.17 says, I am a joint heir with Jesus. Colossians 1.14 says, I am redeemed and forgiven. Colossians 2.10 says, I am complete in Jesus Christ. I am free from condemnation in Romans 8.1. I am a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I, this one always blows my mind. Colossians 3.12, that I am chosen by God. Being chosen is a good thing. Being chosen by God is a great thing. This is how we war against the enemy of our soul, and this is how we war against pride. And I believe if we would speak these kind of words and the other words that are throughout the Scripture about what God thinks of us, if we really speak these words over ourselves and really believe these words about ourselves, we would find ourselves out of this wilderness a lot quicker than what we've been. I want my life agreeing with the language of Father God and not the words that the enemy uses against me. So I want, I'm going to cling to the words of my advocate and refuse the words of my adversary. I'm going, I, I'm going to cling to the words I'm going to, of my advocate, the one who advocates for me, and I'm going to reject the words of my adversary. These are, these, these are, con, these are, this is where we need to be fierce. See, there's an enemy warring against us, and we must war against our pride. We need to be fierce. What war is ever tame? I want to get out of this wilderness. I, I want to be free of it. I want to shake its dust off of me. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to be in there anymore. And I need to get hungry. I feel like you need to get hungry. We need to use God's language. Psalm 25, 2 says, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Psalm 34, 4 says, Those who look to them, sorry, those who look to him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. Never. Never, never. And then Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, (laughs) verse 7. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I should not be put to shame. There's fierceness in all those things. There's focus in all those things. There is a desire and there is acceptance of the fact that we don't belong to shame and shame does not belong to us. Neither is fear. I know we get afraid and it's perfectly human to uh, to be afraid. And it's actually human to feel shame. But we are... We're more than human. We're still human, but we're more than that because we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And there is a language that he speaks in the kingdom towards his sons and daughters which sets us free. 
so if the Lord has, if Jesus has really set us free, and we are set free indeed, I don't think free people find themselves wandering in a wilderness for long. So there are lies and there are things that we, there are agreements that we have made. Look, I don't even, I don't even need the enemy to, to, to confuse me. I confuse myself enough. You know, I, I believe enough lies on my own without the enemy getting involved. But there is an enemy against us who wants nothing but to come to rob, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said what? I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. We either believe that or we don't believe that. And so I don't want any of us to be controlled by fear and shame anymore. I don't think you want to be controlled by fear and shame anymore. I know God doesn't want us to be. He doesn't want us to be controlled by anything but the Holy Spirit.